Coming up on this week's show, we talk about Eve of the Daleks, the Sea Devils returning, the second Doctor being recast. We've got some new game all summer, and Mark Gatiss might be returning, and Jodie Whittaker as well. I'm the Doctor. I'm a time lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Casterbury. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a Doctor, but I am... I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Who Doctor Watch Along podcast. Hooray! Series 5, baby! First series of 2022. First recording of 2022. I'm Harry, joined as always is by. It? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, yeah. 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 Happy New Year, Tim. Happy New Year, Harold. How are you doing, Tim? I'm good. I'm good. You didn't finish my introduction. Oh, I'm Harry, joined as always (laughs) by the uh, somethingable Tim Saxby. How are you doing? Good. Great. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to be back. It is very nice to be back. It's been like 20 days or more. I think it's been about a month since we've done a proper watch song. I did the Ark in Space ones with Harrison. If you listen to them, you know how much I hated them. Um, and this episode is going to have well actually the first episode of series 5 which we did we did before the new year so it was recorded a while ago and so I think it's (laughs) weird to listen to because we were pretty wiped out by Doctor Who and Flux and everything yeah because by the time we finished series 4 last year like our series 4 our 4 series of the podcast we finished all the David Tennant specials we finished Flux and then we went straight into the 11th hour. And we were just, I think we weren't ready for it. So we later on, you will probably, this energy will drop. I feel like it's already dropped. Yeah, I think have we had a lot of anticipation for this, yeah. which you just heard. I don't, yeah, anyway. Yeah, cool. Um, so a lot of ha- has happened since we've gone. Firstly, we've had another episode of Doctor Who, Eve of the Daleks. Hooray, should we talk about Eve of the Daleks? Yes, because we've not actually discussed with each other what our thoughts were on Eve no, of the Daleks. No, neither of us watched it. Live? No, I watched it. I think a day or two afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I think I watched it the the next day. Yeah. Mm. Um, you you go first. I enjoyed it. It was not as I was expecting. It wasn't really a Dalek story. Well, Daleks are in it, but it wasn't really about the Daleks, which is weird because most Dalek stories are very Dalek centric, and this one was much more about this concept of like the time loop that was happening as the TARDIS was fixing itself yeah. and playing with that convention, kind of an action y. Groundhog Day type thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I enjoyed that. And I also enjoyed the supporting characters. I thought they were both uh, really likeable and what funny. What did you think to the concept of Time Loop? Um, I liked it. I feel like it's not something we've seen in the show in quite in that way before. I really, in a way, I just kind of admire the ambition that Chibnall's doing. Even though I imagine by the time you wrote this, he knew he was on the out. But he's not showing any signs of wanting to slow down or kind of reel it in he's still being very ambitious with these stories and these scripts and yeah. even post flux that huge story he's like i'm gonna do another crazy thing and i think for the most part it paid off yeah okay so one thing i really really liked about the episode was i liked how it was shot mm. i thought it looked really good and the the lighting the smoke and like the atmosphere the whole thing was really well done especially that opening scene in the tardis where I couldn't work out if the colour was changing on set or if they had done it in post afterwards. 
know where like Jodie's like the whole thing is changing colour yeah 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 I thought that was really good obviously then there's a scene where she runs out the TARDIS and all the TARDIS walls start to sort of rotate yeah that was a cool shot I think it is really well done and some of the Daleks are just shot so well um, I think it's really good but I didn't like the time loop thing and everything I didn't like about it was stuff that I was already apprehensive about what was your main issue with the time loop bored of it bored of it yeah like seeing the same sort of thing happen over and over again and I know it's not the exact same thing but like the whole thing of like where's the beach I was like okay it's funny once it's funny twice third time I was like ah and like we must have seen like the same shot of Ashley B running to the lift about five times and I just sort of it really takes me out of it because I feel like I've seen it a lot not in Doctor Who yeah but in other stuff like like Groundhog Day Groundhog Day Live Die Repeat um, some episodes of Doctor Who have used it in, and it's just like oh yeah, of course, um, Heaven Sent, Heaven Sent, yeah. yeah. And I was watching it with some family, and like I was sort of, I could sense the vibe in the room wasn't in favour of the episode, but there was lots of elements that I did really like about it. But there, I feel like there was just some stuff. It's been my problem with all of the Chibnall stuff, not just this one. It's like I'm like, oh, that's really lame motivation, or. The character's mm. motive doesn't really make sense. Like the whole thing, like I've, I've got some notes, so I will refer back to them because I didn't want to just uh, come on and start slanging it off. But where's the thing about a monopoly board? Oh yeah, a monopoly board. Oh yeah, here goes. I don't believe the relationship between Nick and Sarah. She only realised she loved him when he told her that she liked him. It was never love. Because, That's because, a strong word. But, but okay, she liked. She started admiring him. Yeah, seeing him in but a like new the light. Way she flipped out of him just because he brought in a monopoly board. And also the fact that he only comes in one day a year because he knows when she's working. Why not just take a risk and come in some other days and work it out? Well, because he's he's a guy. But yeah, but okay. So <laughs> guys do weird shit when it comes to girls they like. Okay. So my understanding then is that like like he really likes Ashley B. He yeah. Really likes her, but he doesn't like her enough to come and see her more than once a year for five minutes. Hmm. Right? Yeah. And it's sort of like, what is he doing for the rest of the year? The character came across as a bit weird. He was meant to be a bit weird. But he's also had girlfriends in between. Yeah. Because he had all their shoes. Weird guy. Some weird guys still date. They, no, that's not like... Are you, saying he's, are you saying he's, you, you thought he was too weird to realistically date all these like, what women? I couldn't, no, what? what I couldn't understand was how he was a weirdo. Like, yeah, he kept all his ex-girlfriend's shoes and he put them in storage. But then, yeah... Ashton B. Sully liked him because he liked her. Uh, also because, you know, he sacrificed his life for... But he them. knew he was going to come back. He wasn't 100% sure. And I'm sure getting killed by Daleks isn't a that, very that's, nice that's experience. What I, that's what I didn't like. That he instantly was going to kill himself because nobody liked the fact that he was putting Monopoly board in storage. They all yeah, showered at him. It's a sacrifice. sacrifice. Ah, forget it then. And no, he, 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 he didn't value himself as much as the others. So he's like, right, I'll sacrifice myself to try and save yeah, these even guys. Even if I was with people who I thought I didn't, who I thought were above me, I would still not, after five minutes of knowing them, go, well, I'll, I'll sacrifice myself. Even with you, I'd have to double think if I was going to sacrifice myself. Well, that, 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 it was like a thing of like an act of heroism and that unexpected act of heroism is what made her change her feelings what about What I him. thought they should have done with the episode and what would have made it interesting would have been to, to, to keep the time loop thing. So they arrive at the warehouse and they look at a CCTV monitor. Maybe they see Ashley B. And they go, they go, okay, well, there's a map here. We can work out where she is. So they go to where Ashley B is. When they get there, she's dead, right? And then you can have the Dr. Yaz and Jonic killed by something off screen. You don't see what kills them. And then they are brought back. And then the episode is then trying to work out what is killing them. 
and that way. So the Daleks are still in it. Did they be more about the Daleks? Yeah. Do you wish to, were you disappointed it wasn't a Dalek story? Yeah, like I wasn't expecting. I know, like we spoke in the past about is Davros going to be in it, but I think once we saw the trailer, we sort of knew he wasn't going to be in it. Yeah. But I feel like if you, it could have been anything. Mm. The Daleks didn't really. It didn't have to be. It could have been the Slavine. It could have been a Sontaran. Do you know what I mean? The fact that it was the Daleks didn't really. Apart and from the fact that it sort of like, itself into flux a little bit. And do you feel like when they bring Daleks back, it should be all about the Daleks? Yeah. That's interesting. In a way, Not all about the Daleks, mm. but I feel like they should have... I feel, I feel if you're going to put the, the name of the monster in the title... It should be that yeah. monster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like the Lazarus experiment. Mm. That had a lot to do with the Lazarus experiment. <laughs> it's like how um, the next Doctor story has Cybermen in it, but it isn't all about the Cybermen. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay. I think we spoke about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going through my notes here. Uh, about the plot, yeah. The last two Daleks. Oh, yeah. I, did, I think compared to the last two Dalek specials, especially the last one with Captain Jack, I felt it was such a downgrade. It was definitely a smaller scale story. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like it didn't even lead into any of that. I feel like those like those first two Dalek specials, they sort of were a two part story almost. Yeah, and I feel like this could have continued that. Yeah, this is more just kind of like an a uh, flux epilogue. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And were you hoping for more of a direct continuation of the Dalek stuff we'd seen in previous New Years? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Or just like an evolution of Dalek stories rather than just it's three Daleks. Yeah. Doing what they do. Okay. Yeah. Moving on to stuff that is almost definitely going to uh, kind of. Do you want to talk about the, what? What are you going on to the viewing figures? No, I wasn't going to go on. Should we talk about the viewing figures? I, I there's one more thing. There's a pretty crucial thing we've not acknowledged. Oh, go on. You still talking about the episode? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah. I was going to talk about um, speaking of things that. Well, I'm, oh I'm, yeah, I was going to have a good. I was going to have a good segue. I was going to have a good segue into it, but now it's kind of been ruined. Basically, I wanted to talk about thirteen and Yaz. Yes. Yes. Because they finally sort of confirmed that Yaz has feelings for the Doctor. We don't necessarily know if the Doctor has feelings for Yaz. No, my reading of it was that the Doctor wasn't allowing herself to go there because yeah. of how badly it's gone yeah. in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I liked it. And mm. my, only, my, only issue with it, my only issue with it was that maybe I felt like the character of Dan pushed... I don't... Well, maybe it's it, she needs that push. No, sorry. Um, my my thing was when Dan tells the doctor that Yaz likes her, hmm. I sort of thought, oh, maybe he shouldn't have done that. Maybe he should have let Yaz tell her. Yeah. But then maybe we're going to, because of the condensed story time we've got, they kind of need to push certain story elements quicker. So by hmm. having another character go, by the way, she really fancies you, that's better than having to have an episode where... Yeah, it's been yeah. sort of the courage to Well, if you look at, like, you know, how Martha had these kind of unrequited, yeah. unreciprocated <laughs> feelings for a Doctor for a whole series. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of refreshing for a character to just be like, hey, you know that, like, there's a thing there, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I, I mean, I was really happy. That was, that was the highlight of the episode for me, hmm. was that they, that was finally included. Yeah. I feel like that's the only bit of fan service stuff they've done recently. It doesn't really read me as... Well, here's the thing, like... It could be read as something where Chibnall saw there was a lot of shipping yeah. online and then decided to put that in. Or maybe it's something he was planning all along. With yeah. Chibnall, you never know. Because yeah, yeah. he does like to kind of lay the foundations for something, but not explicitly say this is going to pay off later. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe, yeah. Like, I'm not a one for shipping. I don't tend to watch it. I hope those characters get together. No. But I feel like this was just a really good one, and I feel like... It makes I'm, sense. Yeah, yeah, I like it, yeah. 
Yeah, highlight of the episode, I think. And also a bit where John Bishop has a standoff with a Dalek. That was oh, that was fun. <laughs> where he just acts dumb and yeah. walks around. Yeah, it. yeah, that was good. Because I, I was watching it, and I was watching it with Bamman, and I said, why does nobody ever just lay in front of a Dalek? Like, right up in front of it, where it couldn't exterminate it. Hmm. Like, at its feet. Yeah, because it'd be a really boring TV show if everyone's just all crawling along the ground so the Daleks couldn't shoot them. Even though, like, if everyone just crawled everywhere, the Daleks would never get them. That's true. Yeah. Um, should we go on to the viewing figures? Yes. Did I send it across in news, did I? You did send it to me. It's the first article in our news. Because we normally don't talk about viewing figures. Because no. they're normally not that... Um, interesting. Interesting. Or but important. This, but this one sort of seems to maybe be... Mm. This is. Do you want to read the clickbait headline? Like the I think it's the, the Daily Mail. Yeah. Doctor Who New Year's Day special suffers its worst ratings since the show was rebooted 17 years ago, pulling in nearly six million less viewers than in 2018. Now, 2018 was Jodie Whittaker's first New Year's special. Was it her first New Year's special? Was yeah, it Resolution. Are you sure? Was it her first year as the Doctor? Well, series 11 was kind of uh, late 2017. Was it? Yes, and then Resolution was New Year's Day 2018. So, it is... Okay, I know we don't tend to talk about viewing figures, and I normally... What I normally say is, on the night, they're normally 5 million, Mm. and then they pick up a lot through repeats and iPlayer views and stuff like that. this isn't taking... I mean, even we didn't watch it. Yeah. I, I don't think I watched... You didn't watch it until two nights afterwards. Yeah, and this isn't taking into account those iPlayer or after the But what number did it get on the night? On the night, it pulled in 3.4 million viewers. That's not very good. Is it not? I mean, I don't don't know about what generally the ratings are for kind of TV, especially festive holiday series. I don't even think it was in the top three most watched programmes of the night. No, was it not? No, which is normally is. When it was on on a Saturday... I think Strictly and Dot Two are usually like the top two. Strictly yeah. was always one, and then Dot Two was usually no pun intended flux between position two and three. Yeah, depending on how interested people are in yeah. X Factor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so considering that it's quite low, I don't know why. I can't work out, and I don't think it's to do with flux. No, maybe actually no, maybe it is because maybe if there had been a bigger gap between flux and New Year's, it would have picked up more viewers. I think maybe people think because it's so close to Flux that the average viewer, the average person who maybe isn't a big fan, yeah. but watches the big episodes, thought that was still a continuation of the series. I think, my thinking of it is that it could be linked to the, uh, what I'm now thinking was a premature announcement of Russell T. Davis returning. Because okay. I, I feel like, I mean, I feel like when the Russell and Moffat, during those eras, the awareness of who was running the show wasn't as much of a thing. But I feel like nowadays, in the contemporary pop culture yeah. landscape, people are much more aware of people behind scenes. People like the Russos, Kevin Feige, um, uh, all of that, yeah. yeah. So I feel like Russell returning made people much more excited about what's to come, yeah. but then also made them much less interested in what's currently happening. Because I mean, they're used to kind of yeah. the show having a big overhaul when a new showrunner comes in. Yeah. So maybe people are thinking, well, I'm excited for Russell coming, but because I know that's coming and that, that will change everything, yeah. I don't need to watch what's currently going on. And, I, and that's so true, because like, I noticed it with our YouTube channel, and I think you said it to me as well. The further the videos we talk about predicting the future of Doctor Who, the better they do. Yeah. Like, we're talk- I, I think our top two videos at the moment are Michael Sheen being cast as the 14th Doctor. And Peter Capaldi not coming back for the 60th. Yeah, which yeah. are like two years away. 
But when we talk about Jodie Whittaker regenerating, they do well, but people aren't as engaged with them as they are about far-flung stuff. Totally, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think there is more excitement about what's come. I wonder if that when Russell does return, if they will advertise it as the return of Russell T. Davis as well. I, I feel like... From the mind of Russell T. Davis. From the creator of It's a Sin in Years and Years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which would be really weird to see yeah. for Doctor... But the thing is, they never do that. They didn't do that for Moffat, and they didn't do it for... When brought it back with Chib... When Chimmel did it, it wasn't from the but Broadchurch when, when guy. When Moffat did Sherlock, was it from Doctor Who Stephen Moffat? I don't think it did. They they kind of BBC had a lot of faith in kind of the IP of Doctor Who and yeah. the IP of that's the thing. The BBC, when it comes to advertising Doctor Who, always put a lot of faith in, in the, the Doctor Who yeah. brand, and that alone is enough. I think yeah, it's going to change. Yeah, I think we'll be seeing a lot more when Russell comes on board. We think we'll be seeing a lot of talking heads with Russell. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what. Well, I saw an interview with Russell where he he's on a podcast and he said like. When he when he was showrunner, he did a lot of those interviews because David, Billy, Freeman, and Catherine were always too busy filming. Mm. So you always had the showrunner or an executive producer or a director doing the news interviews. Yeah, because that's who was available. So I feel like by doing that that early on with the early stuff, that kind of set a precedent for that. Because I'm I'm far more excited if I'm watching telly and they go. And coming up, we've got Jodie Whittaker talking about Doctor Who. I go, okay, cool. But if they went, but Chris Chibnall, I go, oh, I'm going to watch that. Yeah. Because he's going to have more insight in what's to say rather than basic PR stuff that actors totally. and stars are told to say. I mean, you see it on, like, when Flux is coming out, the behind-the-scenes videos they do. Yeah, yeah. Chris Chibnall always had the most in-depth, insightful things to say because he was the guy running everything yeah, and yeah, overseeing yeah. everything. Yeah. So he had the best kind of knowledge to bring to that. Yeah, uh, yeah cool. Should we move on to some news? Yes. What's the f- next up in the agenda <laughs> is the live subscriber count and listeners' questions. Okay, let's do live subscriber count. Here we go. Because since you were away, Harry, we've we, massively increased, haven't we? We went over a thousand. We hit the one thousand mark, um, and now we've passed that. We do have the one thousand subscriber giveaway coming up at some point, but I'm just waiting on what we're giving away to return. And mm. um, we're currently at 1,272 subscribers. Not bad. So by Not next bad. week, I hopefully will be at 1,300. I don't do the prediction stuff anymore because I can't. We, I we can't predict it <laughs> yeah. because it's growing too fast yeah. to predict. I mean, over Christmas, it slowed down a little bit. Oh, what I want to say is thanks everybody. Because at first, on Christmas Day, my phone kept going off and it was comments on our videos. I'm like, it's Christmas Day. Who's watching this? But then as it got further into the evening, I was noticing more people watching our videos. So I think that's cool that people are watching our stuff on Christmas Day. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't watch YouTube on Christmas Day. <laughs> no, I don't. But do you know what I mean? Like the fact that people thought, oh, I'm going to go and watch their stuff. For, yeah. I thought that was quite cool. Maybe but... it was people wondering where the Doctor Who episode was on Christmas Day. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so listen to questions as well. I put on our um, community tab on the on our YouTube channel, but if anyone's got any questions they want us to answer... And leave them here. We did get some questions. But I'm going to pick one at random. Here's one. It's a very tough one. Um, Harry, I'm going to ask it to you, and then you can and then you can answer it. Okay. Do you think we could get something like the Doctor Who experience sometime in the near future? Is the Doctor Who experience is that time fracture? No, Doctor Who experience was the museum in Cardiff. Okay. My now thinking back to the news we've spoken about before. And maybe a science exhibition that's going to tour the UK. Oh yeah, we're already getting it. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally thinking of that, those culture terms as you said it. Um, I mean, yeah, we're already getting a sort of thing. What is it called? That science exhibition? Ooh. 
Yeah, but it's like, I mean, it's a touring science fiction. It's not exactly a Doctor Who experience. It's got more of kind of an edutainment slant on it, where it's kind of discussing... World of Wonders. World of Wonders, that's it. And it's kind of... My understanding is that it's going to discuss kind of scientific topics using kind of Doctor Who and specifically Doctor Who monsters as kind of a framework for exploring them. Yeah. Is that correct? So it's not exactly the Doctor Who experience because it's not totally centred around Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when we have stuff like that and Time Fracture existing, which kind of almost kind of push the Doctor Who experience to its extremes in terms of immersive theatre and also being a educational museum type thing. Opens in 20 weeks. Doctor Who World of Wonder, 27th of May 2022 to the 34th of October 2022. Hmm. Yeah, but I think as long as we have those two things, I don't know if there's necessarily going to be an audience for the experience, because the audience which have gone, would have gone to the experience yeah. would be going to one of those two things. From epic monsters to costumes and props. Science is brought to life exploring some of, doc- some of the Doctor's many adventures and encounters through space and time. The world premiere exhibition will see visitors engage with original artifacts, sets and much more in a, much, in a must-see for any Doctor Who fans. Um, tickets are for adults, £14 advance, £16 on the day. Cool. Uh, for children, £8 advance or £10 on the day. So book your tickets in advance to avoid disappointment. We're, we're not. We, we, why are we advertising <laughs> for Doctor Who? Why? Why not? Don't you want people to go and enjoy it? I mean, the if they want up. to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's. It seems like more of a family attraction, but then, then Doctor Who is a family I show. Say, yeah. yeah. You anti family. No, I hate families. <laughs> That's yeah. why I hate other people's families doing stuff together. My well, family's the best family. Yeah, all the other families are, uh, are trash. <laughs> uh, should we do some news, Harold? Yeah. Uh, what's in the news today? Tell us what's in the news. Also, it's a Thursday. It's quite an early recording, so by the time this comes out, there could be some new news. Mm. But first of all, the Sea Devils are returning. Rawr. Was that is that the sound the Sea Devils make? I don't know, but I'm excited because I've been talking about that for the last year, how I'd like to see the Sea Devils return. Oh, yeah. And then, then, then they're back. Yeah. And the costumes, the, the promo pictures look awful. Yeah, the promo pictures just... Because my understanding is what they're doing... That's like a fairground guy. It's not a great costume, but then I watched the actual Next Time teaser. And his mouth moves. Yeah, it looks like they're doing what they did with Grogu in The Mandalorian, where it's like a practical effect, practical prop costume, but then they're putting CGI enhancements over it to make it look... And for me, that seems to be kind of the way forward with special effects. And it does look a lot better. Like, they look kind of cool when they were moving and pulling faces and stuff. I think they've only ever been in one story as well. I think two stories. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So it's good that they're returning. That's all I have to say. Yeah, it's cool. I hope that they're actually in it and have something to do with the plot, considering that they're in the title. Yeah. Well, I've got a plot synopsis type thing in this Radio Times article which you sent me. Oh, go on then. Uh, Let me just find it. This episode finds the Doctor, Yaz, and Dan in 19th century China, where a small coastal village is under threat from both the fearsome pirate queen, Madame Ching, and a monstrous alien force which she unwittingly releases. So this um, is the Chinese pirate Easter special. Yes. Yeah. Will the Doctor, Yaz and Dan emerge from the swashbuckling battle with the Sea Devils to save the planet? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that special. Still to come, there's that one and then the Centenary one? I think so. So there's the three specials this year. 
Oh, no, there's... I feel like there's yes one and... more. Is there? I feel, I feel like there's like one between those... Easter and New Year's. I swear there is. You mean Easter and Centenary? Easter and Centenary. I don't know if there is, you know. Oh, shall I ask on Twitter? I mean, yeah, but I, I genuinely don't think... Are you excited for that one, though? I am, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure... I really don't know what they could do in this. I know it's weird, because it feels like... I mean, it's not something they've done before. Obviously, there was the year specials of David Tennant. Um, so I guess it's expected. But I feel, maybe just because of the placement of it in the year being an Easter special, but I can't help but anticipate something on the lines of Planet of the Dead. But I feel like this is going to be better than Planet of the Dead. I hope so, yeah. I feel like this already looks like and sounds like there's more going on. Fingers crossed for the return of Lady Christina. <laughs> what, how, what, what would you do if in the middle of like their battle with pirates a flying London bus appeared in the sky <laughs> I, I think I'd phone you up <laughs> I'd never phone I'd never, I'd very rarely I'd phone Harry up the only big news when Russell returned I'd phone you up I think yeah and when Jodie announced she was leaving, I phoned you up. But if that, I phoned you up in the episode. Yeah. I'd go, are you, are you fucking seeing this? There's a bus in, in China and it's got Lady Christina on it. Oh, dear me. I really hated that character. Hmm. Any more news? Um, we have the second Doctor has been recast in Big Finish. Oh, because they've never done the second Doctor in Big Finish. I mean, yes, they have. They have, but it's only ever been... So they haven't had a voice actor, right? Okay. It's always been like, stories, yeah. That have been, so it'd be like it's like, always been like Fraser Hines reading yeah, yeah, story, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, um, Michael Troughton, the son of Patrick Troughton, our grandson. No, it's the son. Woo-hoo! Yeah, is playing uh, the second Doctor now in Big Finish, and he's going to be in some new adventures alongside um, Fraser Hines's Jamie McCrinnan. Um, yeah, cool. Look forward to it. Yeah, there's a quote from him. Uh, let me just find it. From Patrick Troughton? From Michael Troughton. Okay. Yeah. When they phoned up out of the blue and asked... How no, it do... wasn't out of the blue. There was nowhere that phone call was out of the blue. Well, he'd already... There's nowhere the, the son of the man who played the Doctor got a phone call out of the blue to play the Doctor. That's mm. not out of the blue. I mean, blue. he'd already played him in Time Fracture, hadn't he? I think so, yeah. Possibly. Or it was a voice actor. I'll have a look. I believe it was Michael Troughton. Because I've heard of him playing the second Doctor before. This is just his first time at the Big Finish. Okay. I'll read the quote. When they phoned about the blue and asked, how do you feel about playing the second Doctor? I sort of had to think about it. I said to myself, well, it would be a really fun thing to try to do. Not to try and recreate Dad's voice perfectly, but to give the kind of emotional, fun character that he gave. That's the way I looked at it. So it's a mix of me and Dad, really. I... I talked with Fraser Hines about it, and lots of fun stuff was brought to the recordings by them, ad-libbed. I think it might have been Tomb of the Cybermen when they were at a door, and for some reason, Dad ended up holding Fraser's hand. That wasn't scripted. That was a moment they created together. It's difficult to do that kind of thing on audio, but it was that fun inflection in his voice I tried really hard to get. Yeah, you are right. It was Michael Troughton for... uh... Time Fracture. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's good. I like the fact that it's him. There was a couple of really good voice actors on YouTube who can do really good second doctor's impressions. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. I'm surprised it's taken this long to get someone to voice that character. Yeah, because my understanding is the sec- when it comes to classic doctors, the second doctor is one of the pop- more popular mm. ones. Like, my understanding is he's at least more popular than Pertwee. Well, whenever we see, whenever we've done our anniversary, when we did the three Doctors and the five Doctors... He's always the standout. He's always our favourite, yeah. so, uh, yeah, cool. 
I'm happy with that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll give it a listen because I don't really listen to much Big Finish. We but... don't. No, we're naughty. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Okay, next up uh, is something you've entitled "Some New Game" or something. I don't understand it. It isn't. It's uh It's an on. I think it's like an online game called Eve Online. I don't know what it is, but it's having some kind of like crossover expansion event thing. We thought, like you know, Fortnite. Yeah. You know how Fortnite always has these crossover events with stuff like Marvel Spider-Man. and Starbucks and stuff. It's basically that for this game, Eve Online. Why can't that to you for once? Just go. Why? Why? Why isn't it in Fortnite? I don't like Fortnite. I don't play it, but that would be better. I feel like Fortnite is only eyeing up the the biggest of the big IPs. Like you know, you have like the super huge IPs like Marvel and Star Wars. I feel like Doctor Who is at least one tier below that in right, terms okay. of scale and wide mass appeal. What did uh, what 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 they saying about it? Um. Well. It's really just been announced. What do they say? Read it. Eve Online will host Doctor Who's <laughs> most iconic enemies. As Ringo Starr. <laughs> He's back! He's back! Oh. Come in! Oh, Happy New Year, Ringo! Happy New Year, Tim. You're just in time to give this... Uh, do, you, do you know what Eve Online is? I have no bloody clue, Tim. Oh, well, that, just read that over there. Harry's just had to pop out for a second. Eve Online will host Doctor Who's most iconic enemies in an unprecedented crossover event, beginning next week on the 13th of January. A teaser for the crossover, dubbed the Interstellar Convergence, appeared on Eve's YouTube channel this afternoon, but offers new clues as to exactly what will happen. Nevertheless, we see the iconic BBC sci-fi series' Time Vortex and, at the end, a Dalek mothership powering up. Weapon systems restoring, screams a familiar Dalek voice. Did you think the Dalek voices in Eve of the Daleks was different? No, still one of the Daleks had a normal Dalek voice, but the other one had kind of a slightly deeper one. Yeah. Yeah. I've just noticed, because obviously... Um, I've recently been watching bits of Doctor Who and some Dalek voices appeared and I did notice that Nick Briggs' voice has changed from the Matt Smith era to what we're in now. Do you think so? Mm. I mean, Myers, he's always kind of made a conscious effort to kind of give different Daleks their own kind of slightly distinct voices. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, but I feel like the overall, if you were to generalise it, it's quite different. Do you think so? I guess I've not listened hard enough to realise. Yeah, um, no. yeah, whatever that is, good for them. <laughs> mm. I mean, I don't play EVE Online. Don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Shall I have a look and try and work out what it yeah. is? Yeah, is it like a spaceship game? Is it like an MMORPG? I, I don't know. If anyone listening is both a Doctor Who fan and an EVE Online fan, please let us know. Because honestly, I don't know how much crossover there's going to be between fans of EVE Online and fans of Doctor Who. EVE Online is a space-based... Per- you can read it. It's too many big words for me. A space-based, persistent world, massively multiplayer online role-playing game, MMORPG, <laughs> developed and published by CCP Games. Players of EVE Online can participate in a number of in-game professions and activities, including mining, piracy, manufacturing, trading, exploration, and combat. That sounds boring. I wouldn't play it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Nothing against people who do, but I've never been a fan of MMOs, of RPGs. You know, I I struggle with Pokemon. BQs, BMs, Home Bargains. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where you just instantly threw out the, uh, the the letters and just started naming bargain basement stores. Uh, yeah, whatever that is, good for them. 
I guess nice to see it being uh, expanded. If anyone, if literally, if someone's listening and they're a fan of both Eve Online Get and Doctor Who, please let us know and let us know if you're excited about this. What else is there? Mark Gatiss. Mark Gatiss has spoken about Russell T. Davis. I can't do a Mark Gatiss. Here he is, it's Mark Gatiss. I can't do a Mark Gatiss. Oh, that's so Mark. What does Mark Gatiss <laughs> sound like? I don't know. Uh, what's Marky Mark got to say for himself? Uh, he said that when he found out that Russell was the showrunner, he literally... himself. He literally shit himself. He had to sit down, Tim. I was talking to someone the other day and they said that they, that they were at a club. And they, they kissed this boy, and as they kissed him, the boy the boy shot himself. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? She said she said she said and we kissed and as we kissed, he literally shot himself. Are you are you serious? Yeah. Because it was so funny, I wrote it down in my phone that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. The idea of like a like because I, I imagine it a bit like ghost for some reason, like really romantic music. That's not like the kind of shit. Like, like you felt so relaxed around her, almost instantly. That sounds like the kind of thing you only get in like in betweeners or American Pie. I I swear, there's an episode of Cuckoo, the Greg Davis sitcom, where Tiger Rooney is in a bath with a girl and he shits himself in the bath. Oh god, I didn't realize that shit actually happened. Yeah, go on. Anyway, Mark Gatiss did not shoot himself. He literally had to sit down when he first heard that Russell T. Davis would be returning. Uh, <laughs> Are you alright, Tim? Give me a second. Okay. <laughs> Joe, that's to take a swig of your water, Tim. Alright, Carol, we're okay now. We're okay. I'll keep reading his quote. You could have knocked me over with a feather when I heard. I was on holiday. I got a text and I just sort of sat down on a tree stump and went, what? He went, what? It's just amazing. Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting times. It's the most brilliant thing because Russell's doing it for all the right reasons. He's on a creative high. He doesn't have to do it, but he wants to do it. And I have no idea what he's going to do. Isn't that a brilliant thought? Can you read that quote once more time? Because I need to send this into a video. (laughs) Right from the top. Here we go. Nice clean one. Because I feel I ruined that slightly. Yeah. Margate has said that he literally had to sit down when he first heard that Russell would be returning. You could have knocked me over with a feather when I heard... I was on holiday, I got a text, and I just sort of sat down on a tree stump and went, what? It's just amazing. Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting times. It's the most brilliant thing, because Russell's doing it for all the right reasons. He's on a creative high. He doesn't have to do it, but he wants to do it. I have no idea what he's going to do. Isn't that a brilliant thought? Every Doctor Who fan has an idea of how they would do Doctor Who. Russell has done it, and now he's doing it again, so God knows what that will be. He's the first person I've heard say that. He didn't have to do it, but he wants to, and that's why it's exciting. Yeah. I feel that's why I'm really excited about it, is because, mm. like, the, the idea that Russell didn't have other options is ludicrous. He yeah, really Russell could it. do whatever the hell he wants Yeah, and right I think now. there's one or two other Russell projects coming out before. There is, there's something with Helena Bond Carter. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, so that's coming out, and I'm looking forward to that, but 
I can wait for that to come out and for everyone to scrutinise that and every single cast member and with them like they'd be good as the doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, cool. I'm excited, man. Um, yeah. It's interesting that Mark didn't know. I mean, Stephen only knew the day before. Yeah, and Stephen knows about Russell's plans. Yeah. Whereas Mark's not not in that inner circle. Not in it anymore. It kicks out. Do you think he's like knocking at Stephen Russell's doors and like, come on, guys, <laughs> let, let, let's just have a look. Let's just look at the sixty. Yeah, like sat come there on, really, really quiet, like. Shh. <laughs> Can I, can I play draw the curtain? Guys, I can play the master like in Big Finish, yeah. guys. I'd like to see Mark return as a writer. His episodes are always great. They're always fun. Yeah. They're always really fun. Crimson Horror is really good. That Matt Smith one. I've not watched Crimson Horror in a while. I mean, I love The Unquiet Dead. Yeah, that's Unquiet one of my Dead. favourite episodes uh, of series one. What's his other one? Because you, you always want to say Lazarus. But you didn't. You, just, Lazarus you just played Lazarus. Um, what is his other one? What is it? Ah, the Idiot Slanted. Yes, that's a fantastic one as well. Yeah, I really like Idiot Slanted. Uh, He's yeah. always consistently good. And I don't think there's a single, like, unenjoyable Mark Gatiss episode of Doctor Who. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I think it's really good. Um, it does surprise me that they don't know. I, I, I know we spoke about it before, but I really do hope we're going to get some of those our classic, yeah. like, pointing out, like our generation classic writers, Mark. Paul. Yeah, I mean, Paul keeps tweeting about Doctor Who and how yeah. she's enjoying it, which it keeps making me think, you come back, Paul? Is, it, is this a sign, Paul? Yeah, I hope he does. Yeah, I'm just excited to see him, because he loved Flux. Yeah. He really loved Flux. Yeah, yeah. He did, like, a huge thread about how much he liked Flux. I so hope we get him on the podcast. <laughs> we can keep trying, man. Well, uh, I'm, in late February... We might have a cool guest on the way. Ooh. But I'll, uh, I'll Do I know fair. about this person? No, I haven't told you about this. Ooh. I'll tell you off air. Off air, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I really like Mark. I think he's a great writer. I really hope he does return. Um, I hope that there's a nice balance between people who have wrote under Chibnall, people who have wrote under Russell, yeah. and some new talent as well. Yeah. If I were to predict it, I would say that of Chibnall's era Chris McKay is it Chris McKay maybe I don't know who wrote Kablam perhaps and I think Maxine Alderton definitely because yeah. her episodes have been really well received yeah I'd be surprised if none of I'd be surprised if out of like you know Moffat Cornell Gatiss I think at least one of them is going to return yeah. Honestly, we're going to get all of them yeah. in the first series. Uh, the Russell, it sounds like Russell's written a lot I feel like most of this series the is going to be written by Russell wrote is completed yeah and there's rough ideas going around for everything else. Yeah. I know he's casting at the moment, or he was just before Christmas he was casting. Mm. Oh, yeah. Speaking of casting, um, I figured out who the next Doctor is going to be. Me? No, you? It's because... Them? Um, Everybody. Well, you see, did you watch the Christmas Day It's a Sin Bake Off? No. Nathaniel Curtis won. Is which, he the tall one? He's the tall one with the long hair, very yes. handsome. Clearly, because he won, he's going to be the 14th Doctor. Oh. Yeah, clearly. Clearly. He's like one of the only ones from that show as well whose name isn't for Yeah, people talk about Ollie and Lydia and um, Amari, but yeah. they don't talk about Nathaniel. Yeah. I think it's, it's going to be Nathaniel because he won the Bake Off. But now you've said that, that means it's going to be the other one. Which other one? Calm Scott Howells? Yeah. Yeah. Alan Partridge. Why do you call him Alan Partridge? Because the first time he appeared, he looks just like Alan Partridge. Because of the way he's dressed? Yeah. Or... Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then again, on New Year's Eve, Ollie performed with Callum Minogue, who of course was Astrid in Doctor Who. Oh Boys yeah, and I that even never even occurred to me. So, so clearly that's a sign it's going to be Ollie. <laughs> and Jodie endorsed Lydia West and said she wants to cast that Lydia West. That was strange. The fact that the person who cur- 
currently playing the role is that she suggested a name. Yeah, I think that's strange. Because that never normally happens. Well, I guess Jodie's wrapped on her time. But until it's usually announced, like, Matt never said who he wanted to play the role. Mm. And David never... He's always... Well, I have lots of... There's going to be lots of brilliant people who are being auditioned and we'll just have to wait and see, but I'm sure it'll go to the right person. But for someone to actually go, yeah, I, I want it to be Lydia West. Yeah. Makes me think that it's probably going to be Lydia West. I mean, I don't know if she has... I mean, apparently she has Brussels' number. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. We will get to that, yes. But there's one... It's actually the next story. Oh, It's about on. Jodie Whittaker. Who? I don't know. Is she, uh, is she a behind-the-scenes person? Is she a writer? So. Jodie anyway, Jodie Whittaker... Um... catering. <laughs> anyway, um, Jodie Whittaker has... Uh, I always have to scroll through these. Is it because there's loads of adverts and also the first? Well, it's kind of just film. Jodie Whittaker is an actor from Britain, from Shipton Fort at the age of thirty-five. She played the Doctor, previously played by David. T- is it all that? There's, there's a bunch of context for stuff that we already know and the listeners already know because it's a Doctor Who podcast. Right on. Um, but anyway, the interesting bit is that Jodie has. We didn't win any of the friggin' awards as well this year. We were nominated. We were nominated. We didn't win. But we won the. The, the... It was just an honour to be nominated with everybody in the category. To have our names included among people as talented as themselves was an award within itself. Who who did win Best Podcast? <laughs> well, did you not watch it? Um, I did. It was one I hadn't heard of, which was quite nice, actually, because it didn't go to the obvious ones, mm. which was nice. It was good. Yeah. Big cheese to them. Mm. But R- Jodie, had the news is that she has Russell T. Davis's phone number. She said, I'm very lucky he allowed me to have his number. For all the people to pass the baton to, I mean, it's an absolute honour and joy. Confirmed. Russell T. Davis is going to play the 14th Doctor. <laughs> passing the baton. Oh, and... Um... Imagine if it was like a fan fasting of like, fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and it's him just taking a screwdriver. <laughs> There's also two specials left. Oh, okay. So the Sea Devils and the Centenary special. Okay, cool. But anyway... It's certainly this in the safest and most exciting hands, and what a wonderful time for the show. Once you're in, you never want to leave. I suppose it gave me a bit of hope, like, oh, when you do leave, it doesn't necessarily mean you leave forever. So, basically, it's Jodie saying... It's Jodie Winnicott coming back with a 16th anniversary special! Whoa! Maybe. Maybe the 60th will just be the centenary again, but from... <laughs> Someone else's point of view? Yeah. Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Just sat on a bench for an hour and a half, and then suddenly the doctor appears and he goes, What the hell, doctor? Nice to see you again. Is that your Graham? Mm. Um, yeah, I hope she returns. Yeah, I think the 60th is too soon mm. because she will have just left. Yeah, it will be a well, she weird. will have just left, but it'd been a year. Yeah, for and it was what it was three years before David Tennant, or was it four years before David came back in David? Yeah, so it maybe it isn't. Maybe when we actually get round to the 60th, the idea of seeing Jodie again as the Doctor won't actually be... Uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It won't be so strange. Depends how much of a role that her incarnation Yeah, because we just have no idea what the 60th is going to be. I was thinking about it the other day, and I, I thought, I'd be surprised if it even was a multi-Doctor story, but then the tradition of doing multi-Doctor stories is always, a, is always an anniversary. Yeah. So and the I've idea been, of passing yeah. that up... And we've never had a multi-Doctor story from Russell. No. So I really want to see that. Yeah. How would he write those doctors interacting? How would he write Matt Smith and David Tennant and, and that's it? <laughs> oh, yeah, because Peter's not coming Peter's back. Peter's not coming back. Chris, definitely. I don't know. I don't know. 
Jody is all up Jody, in the Matt, air. and David. That's a good team up. I'd be happy with that. And yeah. Michael Trout. <laughs> I mean, Michael Trout, he could play he's a live action. Doctor, yeah, he could play. Oh, yeah, who was he? He's in. He's in a Capaldi episode, I think. Was he? Yeah. Wait, okay. who was it that was in Midnight? Was um, that a Trout? And... Which one's Midnight? Oh, yeah. Maybe he's been in it a couple of times then. Yeah. Was it Michael Trout in Midnight? Let me have a look. There was a Trout in it. There was a Trout in Midnight who was related to Patrick Trout. Yeah. Yeah. Let me have a look. I don't think that was Michael Troughton. No. David Troughton. Okay. Okay. So David Troughton, um, he must have had several sons, Patrick Troughton. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah, but anyway. Um, Let's talk about this for a bit because I want to turn this into a video. Eight minutes is the ideal length. Yes, here's a new bit of news <laughs> about uh, the Doctor Who's BBC Centenary special. Apparently, the visual effects are being spectacular. Uh, the visual effects editor, Emily Lawrence, um, is uh, choosing and coordinating this digital and special effects from various special effects companies and from visual effects expert, Ben Pickles. <laughs> What's so funny about the name Pickles? I don't know, it's the way you said it, like the way you paused, and particularly from Ben Pickles. <laughs> Pickles. It's because I was trying to say the quote without just reading the quote. I wanted to paraphrase oh, it. Oh, okay, sorry. I was trying to be fancy. It sounded like when Baldrick, when Blackadder says Bob. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, but anyway, here's the quote from Lawrence. We're in the thick of the Doctor Who centenary special at the moment. I can't give anything away, but I can tell you it's going to be an absolutely spectacular episode with a lot of visual effects. Um, talking about the future of the show, or do we want to talk about this first? Yeah, because visual effects, they're cool, but I don't necessarily, it doesn't mean quality. Hmm. Like, you can put as many visual effects in, but as long as it, the story's got to be good. I mean, I'd say, like, the biggest kind of VFX episodes we've had so far have been the first and last episodes of Flux. Yeah, the, the first, first episode of Flux especially was crammed with them. And they weren't necessarily the best. I think the CGI stuff with the ships and stuff was really good. Yeah, I they're think good. The it's, green it's, screen green screen's stuff. the problem, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, the green screen stuff kind of showed a bit, which actually leads on to what Lawrence has said about what they want for the future of Doctor Who's special effects. Yeah. And they talk about the 360 screens in The Mandalorian. I knew and, he was going to say that. And how they used <laughs> gaming software to create these amazing landscapes. It's something I'd love to see in Doctor Who. The actors walk in front of the screen and the environment moves with them. That means we wouldn't need green screen anymore. I mean, would really help the VFX vendors. And you wouldn't have to spend hours rotoscoping out the green screen. Basically, the man. What do you know about the Mandalorian special effects? It's basically like a big LED screen, like, a, like almost a, 360 screen that you can film the actors in front of. Yeah, almost like going back to like Hitchcock stuff of putting a car in front of a projector, so it yeah. looks like the car's traveling down the road. And it renders in like real time, doesn't it? Yeah, because it uses the Unreal Engine, I think, which is used for video games. Mm, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But it actually amazing. says here, yeah. Disney's a Mandalorian uses virtual sets created using Unreal Engine, a powerful video game creation tool that gives the director complete control over the set and surrounding digitally generated environment. This would mean the digital effects would need to be created before principal photography begins instead of being added afterwards. Yeah, cool. I like it. I mean, why would you not want to do yeah. that? The Mandalorian looks amazing. You can't tell. Mm. It's. I, I didn't know until afterwards when someone, pointed, when someone told me about it. I said, you know, that's actually... It looks like they're on location. It does. It, it doesn't look does. like they're on a green screen. It's not like we're trying to find an easiest way of doing green screen mm. we've found a better way yeah. of doing locations without having to travel and the way that the thing the reason it's so effective is because um the characters like the background doesn't need to be made to 
to match the lighting of the actors because the actors are lit by, by the, the LED. That's screen. true, that, yeah. Right. I've thought of that, yeah. So that's just like one additional thing that you don't need to figure out. Yeah, I think that's great. And the fact that they're moving out of the current studios and they're moving into the Bad Wolf studios. That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah. I'm really hope whether you know, where they filmed his dark materials yeah. and programs like that. I'm really hoping that that's going to mean, and you know, there's that 50 million coming in. Yeah. Uh, 50 million Sony investment coming into Bad Wolf. So, yeah, I can see that being... Imagine the kind of things they could do with a TARDIS interior. That was, a, like, CGI walls and stuff. I would rather that be a practical effect. I feel the same. I feel the same, just because that's a set they would be returning to regularly. There's yeah. no... It just makes sense to make that. And also, just as a viewer, to know that that's real. Mm. And that if you wanted to, if you could visit, yeah. you could go and touch the walls of the yeah. TARDIS. I feel like you want a TARDIS a, to be a tangible, livable yeah, space. Rather than just being a centre console and a green screen around it. Mm. Which know? is something they could do, but I don't think they will do. Yeah, that's my problem with Marvel movies at the moment. Is I watch it, and when I saw Eternals, my whole thing was like, there's an action sequence where it's Angelina Jolie's character, I think it's like a giant rhino or something. And I was like, well, none of this is real. And I'm watching it going, ah, but... I thought a big emphasis of the tunnels was that they shot a lot on rotation. Well, this definitely wasn't, because she was, like, super speeding and okay. a giant mythical rhino creature. Right. It was just like... Yeah, so my thing is, like, um, I feel like it sticks out the most in Infinity War, where they're on this, like, planet Titan, and it's got this huge, vast wasteland around them. Yeah. But the actors don't move more than, like, a couple of feet from where they are because obviously most of that world yeah most of that world they're in is cgi and not real and they can't see it so they're just kind of it still feels very kind of isolated and very claustrophobic because they're stuck to this one small space to move around yeah yeah, yeah. and you can just feel the artifice of it mm. yeah yeah i do agree um yeah but no that's great i mean i don't think you should i, I my favorite episode doctor always wants to sit on earth yeah and I feel like if you go to space and you go on spaceships, you, you either go into a factory in Wales that looks a bit like the interior of a spaceship or you yeah. go to a quarry. So I feel like being able to do the 360 stuff with a big LED screen um, means that you can digital, digitally recreate or create new environments that you haven't actually been able to film. You'll really before. believe they're in a real quarry. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you won't I mean, have to do a quarry. Yeah, but imagine if they did. Imagine they just had this technology <laughs> and they just made real-life quarries. We're in, we're in Cardiff Bay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd, be, that'd be quite funny, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Any other news? Or is that the last of it? That's all the news you sent me. Oh, shall I have a quick look to see if there's any other Doctor Who news that we might have missed? Yeah, a quick Google. Do I need to kind of fill the airwaves while you yeah, get yes, your please, phone yeah, out? Yeah. Um, let's see. I was talk what I had for dinner last night, but I just had a pizza. I had pizza? Really? What kind of pizza did you well, have? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do for the new year. Can we do recommendations in this part and in the watch along? Okay, but that's extra, that means I need to watch twice as many things. But just because sometimes I like sometimes we pre-record the watch along bit. Okay, and I don't, and I forget. All right, Sim. So, what's your recommendation, and why is it Toast of Tinseltown? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me have a quick look. Last twenty-four hours, Doctor Who Centenary Special. There was that rubbish thing by the Telegraph. Did you see that? No, I didn't. It was the article was why Jodie Whittaker failed as Doctor Who. Oh, that's just a miserable title. And basically, my understanding is the article is about why that incarnation of the Doctor didn't work. But for some reason, they put the blame on Jodie Whittaker herself rather than anything around. Yeah, they basically said what everybody said, which is the writing isn't as good. But for some reason, said it's Jodie Whittaker's fault. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to recommend two things. 
Okay, is one of them Toast of Tinseltown? One of them is Toast of Tinseltown, which is the follow-up series to Toast of London, which I think I've recommended before. Did you watch it? I did not watch it because I want to watch Toast of London first. Yeah, I would recommend it because there are some different changes now it's moved to the I understand it takes place in LA. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the stuff that is set in England is set, it's like they've built in LA and flown the actors over to LA. I feel like stuff looks slightly different. That's only because somebody who's watched that original show a lot. Mm. And the performances are slightly different, which I like because it's been seven years since it was last on. Yeah. So they've expanded, they've sort of evolved the characters, which is quite nice. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's really funny. And it's actually laugh out loud stuff, which is good. Yeah. Like I watch it on my own, I'm laughing out loud. But what else I'm going to recommend, you reminded me there with pizzas. Is I what pizza did you have last night, Harry? Cajun chicken. I had margarita. Ooh, which is boring, but it's because I've gone. I'm doing not veganuary. 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 Where okay. I go veggie for January. I did it last January. I probably mentioned it, but I'm doing it again this January. And last year on the first of February, I just ordered a big barbecue chicken pizza and I sat in my bed and didn't wake up for three days. So like a big food coma. Um, but I'm doing it again. But I want to see how long I can go. Yeah. Being veggie. Wow. So you're six days in. Yes. <laughs> How are you finding it so far? I've caught myself out a few times, but luckily it's been... St- like, I had a pot noodle that was chicken and mushroom, and I just Ooh. bought it. But luckily it's chicken flavouring. So right. it's not actual chicken. Okay. So, I, and like, a couple of times I've been in Asda, and I've put, like, a bag of Haribo's in my bag, and then I look at the thing like, oh, I can't actually eat these. Oh, yeah. Do you feel any kind of tangible difference? As in how I feel? Yeah. Uh, not, I mean, obviously it's not even been a week, Not so. really, but I know last year... I did notice, like, I lost some weight, which was quite nice. But I don't. That's not because I wasn't eating as much, but it's because what I'm eating is better. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like I'll, It's like I'm still having wraps for lunch and stuff, but I'm just not having cheese and chicken. Yeah, I'm like having there'll be like veggie chicken in there now, and there'll be nice salads and stuff. Ah, and sauces okay. And, do you know what I mean? So I feel like for anyone struggling to eat better, or maybe that's your New Year's resolution, just cutting meat out altogether that encourages you to then start eating side foods that are healthier. Yeah. Because like in my cupboard at the moment, it's full of chocolates and biscuits and stuff for Christmas, which are all veggie. Mm. Um, but like, instead of just putting cheese on everything, which you can still do if you're doing, depending on how strict you want to be, um, it just I feel like once you've done it, you go for it a bit better. Yeah, you know totally. I mean? Oh, hello. Ooh. I spilled my drink. Um, and what, do you, what do you, anything? Recommend? Yeah. Yeah, but you're going to hate me because it's something I've recommended before and you always roll up your eyes. Is it Succession? No, it isn't. What is it? Lego Masters Australia <laughs> Series 2, baby! <laughs> I know it's probably a really weird thing. I feel like it's a niche thing, but it shouldn't be a niche thing, but it's great. Because I it's, see it advertised a lot. It's like Bake Off, but with Lego. And people creating insane things out of Lego. It's so good, I know Tim. when you recommended it the first time, I did go and watch a couple of episodes. I did enjoy it. I don't feel I'd enjoy the American version. The Australian version is the best version. Is it? Yes. Okay. The is Australian, but Lego Masters Australia, so good. It's on all four or E4. Because ah. the, the American one's kind of based with the movies, isn't it? Yeah, but no, it's got like Will Arnett hosting and it's much more heightened like American shows are. Yeah. And the Australian one uses kind of the same format and a very similar set, but like the hosts are different, the judge is different. It's one of the like. 12 only kind of like certified lego like experts in the world okay who's the host and like the building the builds are actually a lot better the australians are better with lego than americans yeah yeah cool uh yeah 
I don't really watch it, but I do see it advertised a lot. It must be good. It's real. I mean, my my family love Lego. My brother loves Lego. Like, uh, my mum watch, loves Lego. Like, uh, I was watching TV the other day over Christmas, and they were advertising the Australian Bake Off, Great British Australian Bake Off. You mean the Great Australian Bake Off? Yeah, not the Great British Australian Bake Off. <laughs> the Great Australian Bake Off. Yeah. And someone I was with said, "Why are they showing that over here? We're not Australian." So it's my response was, "But you're not watching it because they're Australian. You're watching it because you like watching them bake." Yeah, and it's just more episodes of the same thing. It's just slightly different. Mm. And also, that's like saying, "Why do they show Cheers over here? We're not American." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like, yeah, I get what I get why uh, you might enjoy the Australian version. I mean, I, I enjoyed the American Office more than I enjoyed the British Office. Yeah. Um, so yeah, cool. Yeah. Should we go on to the? Uh, Watch along. Oh yeah, the watch along. The one is the one. Get ready for a massive, mahoosive energy dip <laughs> because we just finished watching series four and flux, and we were tired, man. I'm still tired. No, I haven't really gotten over it. Oh, go on, do your little thing. I mean, I, I, I guess I, I don't even know what the. See, the thing is, I know that the title of this episode is like a like um expression but i've never completely understood what the meaning of the expression is it an expression yeah it's an expression oh i thought it was just a thing because it's... no it was like it was like a pun because like it, it's about like the okay i'm gonna look up i'm gonna because i know that in a minute i say the name of the episode tim's gonna stop recording <laughs> so i'm gonna get it ready i'm gonna get ready on the cancel button which I think is that one. I'm going to look up the meaning of the phrase so I can use it. The latest possible time it before it is too late. Well, I feel like we're nearly at the 11th hour itself. Shut up! Shut up! Shut the up, up, up! What's the point in having you all? Harry, my boy... Dun, 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 We're doing dun, 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 the first dun, dun, ever episode. Remember the peaks, remember the peaks in the audio. You can't sing too much because nobody likes it when the. I'm gonna be honest. People sing on podcasts my biggest pet hate. I would have tuned out by now. You gotta stop. I'll be serious. I'll stop. There we go. Okay. So we're gonna do the eleventh hour by Stephen Moffat. Yeah, Harry, what episode are we doing? We are doing the eleventh hour by Stephen Moffat. Let's go! The first Matt Smith episode. It opens with the Earth, like we've seen in many Doctor Who episodes. It crashes in, and there is the eleventh Doctor, Matthew Smithle. It's a, honestly, it's a very strange cold open. Why? Well, I just get, I mean. I don't it doesn't know. really do much, does it? It doesn't. It's kind of like an action. It's kind of a continuation of what we saw at the end and end of time. But he's taking the jacket off. Yeah, the jacket's gone, and he's fallen about, and it. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know if we really needed it. It's fun though. It's fun. It's fun. It's kind of like you know, this is what Doctor Who is now. Now it's because literally everything is so different, and it kind of opens like. We're big, we're fast, we're yeah. cinematic, we're whoa. The cinematography is so different in this uh, in this mm. series. It feels much more, I want to say sweeping, if that makes sense. Grand. Grand, yeah. yeah. There's a certain grandeur Wide. to it. Mm. I'm signalling wideness with my arms, ladies and gentlemen. He's put his arms out. And the hands are at an angle to signify the ends of the wideness. Yeah, I can see. It's a big frame. Uh, should we talk about the new opening titles? Yeah, you don't like them, do I don't you? like the fonts. You don't like the fonts? And, like, in... and I don't like the... 
all the crashing lightning sounds. It's just play the music. Okay. And then I feel the TARDIS stuff needs to be sped up. It's like dun 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 dun. Where I'm like dun 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 dun. It still has to dun 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 dun. No, but it's like dun Yeah, but underneath it has the dun 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 dun. Yeah, but it's not as prominent. Whereas Tennant is like, yeah, we're fucking going. Let's go. Gonna kick an alien in the dick. Whereas this is a bit more methodical. Yeah, and I'm like, here we go, we're traveling in time. And I hate the fun. The fun's awful. As in, like the fun for the actors. Yeah, the actors fun. It's like Mark Smith, like big fat letters. You don't like the big chunky letters? No, it's naff. I like the uh, actual new logo though. I think the new logo is really good. Yeah, the DW. Yeah, with the the little throwback to Arthur. Yeah, to Arthur. DW. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, and I think, I mean, you know, I love the Russell era, but I think this new title card is a lot stronger. Okay. I feel like it's much more indicative of what the show is. Yeah. Kind of like the Russell era, it's it's good, but all it really says is aliens and, and fire. Yeah. Whereas this one, you know, it's got like the TARDIS in it, it's got like that, that, that strong image. I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like it works a bit better. I feel like it says what the show is. Yeah, there's a crack in the wall in a little girl's bedroom. Yeah. Her name, Amelia Pond. And for some reason, like all kids, she's praying to Santa. Do you find that weird? Yeah. But aren't kids a bit weird? I didn't pray to Santa when I was a kid. I knew who Jesus was. Yeah, but like, some kids are weird, aren't they? Yeah. She's 21 now. Yes, she's a little younger, one year younger than us. Than you. Than me. I'm 23. Wait, so was she nine when she did this? Must have been. Huh. And uh, TARDIS crashes in her back garden. Kablam. TARDIS. Oh, Kablam's a different episode too. And Matt Smith gets out of it. And he's being all... And I thought he was being all quirky because he's just regenerated. Yeah. And then I realised he's kind of like that for the rest of the run. I think during that first scene with young Amelia Pond, it's definitely that's definitely his post-regeneration when scene. When he hits the tree. Yeah, and then all the stuff with, like, the tasting of food, that's all post-regeneration stuff, and I think, kind of, as soon as he goes up to the bedroom, he's kind of got over that, and that I really like, because, I'm gonna say this, um... Wow, 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 What? Once he's up to the bedroom, he knows his stuff, he's gonna bang the ants. <laughs> the ants. The nans helped him. She, uh, yeah. Yeah. And she's left you all on your own? Oh, no. Is that your Matt Smith impression? <laughs> We're going to go, go to the TARDIS. That's worse than... Like this, that's way worse than my uh, last week. Amy, no, don't do that. Hello, Amelia Pond. Uh, I'm Matt Smith. I'm a doctor. A lot of run... Oh, I'm really tired. <laughs> Tim's really tired. He's just had a nap. Um, he says wibbly wobbly timey wimey. He does. Should we talk about Matt Smith? Yes. He was 26. 26, that's a young age. What did you think when this episode first aired? Um, I remember when I this first... this was our first... New Doctor. Yeah. When this first aired, and I'll say for Series 5, I wasn't... When I was like 10 years old, I wasn't a massive fan of Matt Smith's Doctor. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't really into yeah. this series. But that was because, why. for me, as a kid, my reference for what the Doctor was was David Tennant and just David Tennant. Yeah, yeah. So everything that he did that wasn't like David Tennant, me being a kid not liking change, wasn't that big on it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know, it just felt... 
I stuck with this series and I watched it as a kid. Hmm. I remember being out for the very final episode and watch it on iPlayer, but hmm. not being that fuss. Hmm. And I remember that being a turning point, being like, "Oh, I'm not that fuss that I'm missing an episode of Doctor Who." Yeah, got live. I remember the last episode I saw was uh, the Christmas Carol one as a kid. That was the last one I watched air. Yeah, I think I saw that. I'm not, I can tell you. Yeah, and I found this is interesting because obviously we loved the Russell era. We grew up with the Russell era. And now we're getting to this era, which we've both, you know, just said quite distinctly, we felt completely differently about as kids. Yeah. Like, so this, nothing we say about this series is influenced by nostalgia, or maybe it could even be negatively influenced by nostalgia, I don't know. Everything's very blue. It is very blue. The intro's blue, the TARDIS is more blue. He's wearing blue. Yeah. The the bedrooms are blue. Yeah. Um, they're in a little fairy tale village. Hmm, where is it, is it... They say the name of it. I can't remember. It's fictional, but it's an actual... It is a, it's, the name of the place isn't real. Yeah. It's in Wales. Yeah. It's the same place where, at the end of Human Nature, Family Blood, where they see old Timothy. Oh, okay. It's the same place. Right. Yeah. Um, do, 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 do. Matt in David's costume. How do you feel about that? Um, it's who? always a bit weird, isn't it? Who? Oh, yeah, Matt in David's costume. What do you think I said? I thought you said Matty David. I was like, who's Matty David? <laughs> How do you feel about Matt in David's costume? Right. Um, it's fine. I'm used to it. I mean, I feel like it's not as weird. I don't because think I liked it at the time. For me, it wasn't so bad because he didn't have the jacket on. So yeah. it's a similar thing to how when in The Woman Who Fell to Earth, how Jodie... So it, raggedy, isn't it? Yeah, how like Jodie's got the waistcoat on, but she's not got the coat, and like obviously how when we see Capaldi for the first time, she has to go on at first. Does she not in the one who fell to work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then she quickly loses it. Yeah, for most on. of it, she's just kind of in the waistcoat. Yeah, but she just wear the coat. Okay. Yeah. Um, Matt in David's costume. Yeah, I found it a bit strange when I was a kid. Like when he uses the Sonic, I think I was still. A, we- I think I, I was still weird. a little bit like. That's David's. When I was a kid, I was like quite possessive over it. It's weirder seeing, especially like the opening shot of like the of David's TARDIS interior. Yeah, and seeing Matt with David's uh, slash Chris's um, Sonic. Sonic. Those two things were really weird for me. Yeah, I mean, I get. Well, I don't know. They're weird for me now, but I don't think as a kid they were weird for me. Because as a kid, we didn't have this understanding that the TARDIS interior. And the um, screwdriver were personalised for each doctor. Yeah. So when I watched the 11th Hour for the first time as a kid, I just kind of assumed that he would have that screwdriver and that TARDIS. Yeah. And that's just what they would be. Well, I know they changed the TARDIS because they got new studios. Mm. And I saw online someone had made David Tennant's intro, but with Matt Smith's name and Karen Gillan's name. Okay. So, like, as a little fan edit, just yeah. to see what it looked like. It looked quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Like if it was sit, like if they just kept the same like mm. styling and stuff yeah. like that. Well, because I know that um, the reason that Moffat went for the whole overhaul when he originally came on as showrunner, he was assuming that series five would be with David. Um, and my understanding is that when he was going to do that, it would have been much more of a kind of a transitional thing where yeah. there wouldn't be a huge overhaul. But because David was leaving with Russell, who's like, all right, screw it. I'm going to overhaul everything. Yeah, yeah. And everything's I, re- I remember being very thrown out by the branding. Mm. Even on stuff like DVDs, I felt it was slightly too kiddie-ish. Okay. Like, there's a lot of... Look, I think a lot of the attention was on the monsters a lot. Mm. 
And do you not think that's just because you were older and so you were more aware of that stuff? Not really, because it's only been a year, wasn't it? Mm. From Matt Smith to David Tennant, so... Yeah, but you kind of said you were entering a different stage of your life when... Yeah, I guess so, but I, I don't know. I mean, I looked at... I, I've got a note here, and it reminded me of Tumblr, this episode. Well, because I remember, like, Matt Smith's Doctor and this era is when the show really took off in the US, yeah, and also Sherlock was on. Yeah, social media. And the big Hulock thing was a yeah. huge thing, wasn't it? Should we talk about Sherlock? Yes, because there's that one they sequence... They enter the fucking mind palace of the Like, it goes into Matt's eye and does, like, the whole tracking thing. I was like, this is this is Sherlock. It's awful, is what it did, is. Um, had Sherlock come out by the point that Series 5 came out, or did Sherlock come out later? 2012, I think Sherlock was. No, because I remember Sherlock was definitely out by the time the uh, Christmas Carol episode came out. Yeah. Because I remember I I didn't understand who was involved with what creatively behind the scenes, but I knew that with the Matt Smith era, there were different people in charge, and it was the same people. Well, Matt Smith auditioned to play uh, Watson. Did he? Yeah. Okay. So they must have been in production around the Mm. same time. I heard something very interesting about the um, casting of Matt Smith as the Doctor. Go on. Um, like it wasn't actually Moffat's idea. It was uh, the casting director, who I think is the casting director for all of New Who, uh, Andy Pryor. Yes. And he really liked Matt Smith, and Moffat felt that he was too young. Okay. However, Andy convinced him to let Matt audition because he could see that Matt was an old man, had the spirit of an old man yeah. in a young man's body. Yeah, yeah. And that... I think is for me what I think is the strongest thing about Matt Smith's Doctor. Yeah. I don't think we quite see it yet in this series. I think later it becomes much more prevalent, but you really do get the sense that Matt, and I'll say it when I see it, that Matt Smith is this alien who's lived for hundreds of years. Yeah. yeah. Um, Russell Turvey also auditioned to play the Doctor. Mm. Shall I have a quick look? I feel like there is a few names that have been published. Oh, Didn't you say Cumberbatch as well was in the running? Uh, I don't think so. No, is that just speculation? I think he maybe been offered it, but I yeah. don't think he wanted. To I think that's it. He was offered it, but he turned it down. Yeah. Um, I think he does. He said like in an interview, he doesn't like the idea of his face, face being on lunch boxes and stuff. But I think now he's obviously mellowed to that because he's in the MCU. He's Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that said, I would rather see him as Doctor Strange than Doctor Who. Yeah. Same. Um, do, 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 do. what do we have next? Prisoner Zero. Ah, yes. Are uh, we talking about which part of Prisoner Zero? Like, Just the whole Prisoner Zero thing. As in him being in. This is another example, I think, where the monster isn't really that relevant to Doctor Who. No. Uh, Doctor Who episode. Yeah, because I never. When I think of the 11th hour, all the things I think about it, Prisoner Zero is not at the top of the list. Yeah. That being said, when I think of Rose, I don't think of the automatons. Autons. Autons, sorry. Yeah. You're on a knife's edge. One more, one more wrong name, and I'm out. Yeah, yeah. You've just got you've got Halloran waiting in the cupboard. <laughs> um, who do you want to talk about first, Rory or Amy? I think Amy, since we see her first. And are we talking Amy as in adult Amy Pond? Yeah, Karen Gillan. I forgot that she first put on RP accents to disguise the fact that she was Amy. I had as well, and that she also hides her hair yeah. in the hat. She's only twenty-one. Yeah. Younger than we are now. That makes me feel old. Yeah. Feel old as shit. Well, older than Amy Pond. Yeah, she's dressed as a kissogram. Uh, the doctor in handcuffs with a sexy lady standing with him. Should we talk about... About this trope? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't... Honestly, I remember I've made this a reference to this, but I don't know how much of a trope it is. Well, I'll get to it. In yeah, a because obviously... Um, 
it, Stephen Moffat went on record that when he made Science in the Library, that him and Russell had this idea of someone who met the Doctor before the Doctor met them. And Stephen suggested, wouldn't it be funny if it was played by a sexy woman? Because yeah. it would really confuse the Doctor, he wouldn't know how to act. And that is kind of shown his face again yeah. in the 11th hour, where Matt Smith thinks he's looking for this um, little, girl. little girl, but then he got the dates wrong, and now the little girl is a grown-up kissogram. Yep. So we're introducing a new segment to the show called Stephen Moffat's Sexy Lady List. Disclaimer! <laughs> Disclaimer. We are not ranking sexy ladies. We are just noting down... The amount of times that... The same the, trope appears how many, in Stephen Moffat's writing. How many times does Stephen use this plot device? Because yes. I, people have said that Stephen likes a lot of certain plot devices yes. and reusing them. Yeah. So we'll see how many times. So if I've got it twice, we've got River Song. I've well, I'm not going to put River Song but on. But River Song's the original. River Song's when she original. comes back, we can add it to the list. But River Song's because we're starting first. a new series. It's a new segment. I'm leaving all that RTD stuff behind. This is new. Wouldn't it be a bit embarrassing if, um, literally, only River Song and Amy are in series five? Well, I thought about this, but then the end of this episode has the next time trailer. And it suddenly reminded me of a lot of other sexy ladies who yeah, are going to come and when they appear, the Doctor. Do they appear in within the space of a trope of the Doctor's not expecting them and it confuses them? Or is it just an actor in the show who happens to be an attractive well, we'll woman? Wait we'll wait we'll wait. Because I feel like there could be a lot of arguments to be made for the latter and it just being a coincidence. And obviously, <laughs> most actors at the top of the game are attractive because we like seeing attractive people on our screens. That's why you're never going to be on our telly. That's right. Uh, Rory! <laughs> ah, for Darville. Was this like his first kind of big break? Uh, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. He was um, about 28, I think. Yeah? He was the oldest out of the three. Really? Yeah. He's older than Max. Huh, I guess he is. Yeah. Um, he's good. He is good. I like him. I mean, we don't see much of him here. I like it when he hands over his furnace. Like, why are you giving me your furnace? Like, Oh, it's a camera too. Like this was when you had to yeah. tell people that, that phones your phone was also had a camera on it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I find it um bit in... of a Mickey and Rose scenario going mm. on again. Though. At the start, yeah, yeah. But obviously it takes a different direction. One thing I find really interesting about this is obviously the whole thing of how everyone reacts to the Raggedy Doctor, like this character that Amy made up as a kid. They, they all know who he is. Yeah, they all know. But I find it weird that like they're so. That some people, like the lady in the house of the telly, is like, oh, yeah, that she's like, oh, look, it's it, it's him. Yeah. Whereas, like, um, Rory gives them, for me, a much more human reaction of, like, no, he's a fictional character. Yeah, Why yeah, is he? Yeah. What? That doesn't. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, should we talk about Jeff? Oh, yeah, Jeff with his laptop. Who never ever appears again. There's a reference to him in, like, a later episode this series. Is but, there? Yeah, yeah, I think at the end of episode five or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There is. Yes. Mm. No. There's a reference. Yeah. Yeah. But he's the good-looking one. Yeah. Um, Which I think is a bit harsh on Alvadar. <laughs> like, <laughs> should we talk about the weird CGI worm? You mean that is Prisoner Zero? The f yeah, where Karen, where Amy's like, what? Like looking from left to right. What's it tangling? And from? then the worm is behind her going from the ceiling. But like, the, 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 that's the bit that like moves. Uh, isn't it? Uh, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it works. And the worm is behind it. It's like, whoop, like a panther. Like, it's behind well, you. Where's Prisoner Zero? He's, He's behind, behind you. you. Yeah. This is often considered the best um, 
opening Doctor episode. I prefer Rose. Okay, let's say I think it's often considered the best regeneration. Post regeneration, yeah. and I'll agree with that. That was something I was going to say earlier. That um, I feel like I'm not a fan of most post regen episodes because the Doctor, for most of it, is either out of commission. Um, like in Christmas Invasion, or they're wildly out of character, like in um, Deep Breath. Yeah, Deep Breath. Here, Matt Smith's a little weird for a bit until he gets some fish figures and custards down, down him. Which we did on the podcast. I made a video with Harrison. He eats fish fingers and custards. How did it taste? It's alright. Really? Yeah. Weird. But I feel like as soon as they're through that, He's just the Doctor, and we can just start to get to know this version of the Doctor. Yeah. And that's what I like. I... He does a what, what, what? Does he? When does he do a what, what, what? When Amy says, You said 12 years! And he goes, What? 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 And then Amy drags him and runs off. I mean, obviously, do you think there is still some remnants in the script of it being written for David? Um, I don't know how much Moffat had written. Hmm. Because, or if it was just a story concept. Yeah, I, think just, I don't think he'd actually written any proper scripts. Right. Because I saw that um, Moffat was the, the whole story was going to be different. Yeah. Like the whole the end of the series would have ended up where the series started. But surely the way that um, the, the the way that TV production works, he must have written most of the series before Matt was cast. So surely when he was thinking of the voice of the Doctor to write for. Well, Moffat said in interviews that he doesn't write each Doctor differently. He just leaves really? it up to the actor. Yeah. He just writes... So he didn't distinguish between writing for Chris, writing for David, and writing for... Not really, I don't think. Really? That's yeah. interesting. That's very interesting. There's a lot of random children playing in the street in this village. Because it's like an idyllic... I feel like here's like the Moffat-era depiction of England and the UK and the Russell era depiction of wildly different like Russell you get like London you get the big metropolis you get London flats Moffat you get quaint little English country village yeah. I feel, and it's like night and day and I feel like that speaks to like how radically different yeah. these two eras feel yeah 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 um uh, Doctor on Chess laptop we've done that we haven't talked about the browser history joke <sighs> god that, that gets repeated a few times doesn't it I feel like Matt only makes it the one time doesn't he he takes it again when he's... Oh, no, the second Doctor went... The first Doctor when he puts on uh, the, the sonic glasses. That's the Capaldi, I think, makes it like three or four times in browser history joke. Uh, the Doctor drives a fire truck. Yeah, he covers all bases. He's got the police box, he's called the Doctor. The Doctor drives... Uh, okay, drives very a fire good. Truck. The Doctor drives a fire truck with a big extending ladder, while Rory drives a mini. I, are you, are you, you saying... get any more phallic symbol than... You're saying that the 11th Doctor is compensating? No, I mean, it's like a macho measuring competition, isn't it? Like, Rory's always, like, trottling behind. He can never be the Doctor. The Doctor's driving a big fire truck, and Rory's whizzing around in a Mini Cooper. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Do you think that's I, deliberate? Did, I didn't think of it just then. Do you I think that's know. deliberate on Moffat's part? Well, the fact that it Rory drives a little car will be deliberate. Stuff like that will be deliberate, like mm. deciding what car characters drive and things like that. Uh, Olivia Coleman, she's here as well. Yeah, our first kind of big star. I mean, she wasn't a huge star. She does peep shows. She done the Mitchell and Webb look. Yeah, but this was like pre. This was pre Broadchurch, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, but it's inter- like I feel like in the Moffat era, especially, it feels like every single week there's a huge like star on. Even if they're not huge when they're on, they're gonna be huge. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, this week we have Oscar winner Olivia Coleman. I can't remember who there is next week, but I'm sure there's someone. Uh, I think it's me. 
Is it you? Are you yeah. in the beast below? Yeah, I think. Yeah? Double check. Are you the whale? No, no, no. I can't remember that Are one. you the thing with teeth? Maybe. Are you the doctor? Silence will fall. Yes, we get the first reference to uh, the Pandorica will open and silence... Oh, thanks. What? I'd forgotten what it was. Yeah, the, the Pandorica <laughs> will open and silence will fall. Okay. Or something like that. Don't ruin it. Do you it, think... Because I generally can't remember. Yeah. Do you think Moffat knew what he meant when he said silence will fall when he first wrote this? I don't know, because I can't remember where it goes. Do you can't remember what silence no, will fall means? I don't want to know. Really? Yeah. Do you really not remember what silence will fall means? I will remember as we go along. Do you remember what the Pandorica opens is referring to? Yeah, the Pandorica opens. Yeah, okay. <laughs> cool. I mean, obviously, because... The silence will, is that just to do with the silence? I'm pretty sure it does, yeah. Oh, we'll just leave it. Um, should we get... I want to get on to characters between Rose and Mickey and Amy and Rory. Okay, because I feel like that is a very is very easy to draw that comparison in this episode. Especially with like you woman know, likes a doctor but doesn't appreciate her boyfriend, and also the thing of um. But then like with Rose and Mickey, it's depicted that Rose isn't right for Mickey, and Rose is is yearning for more in life. Whereas here, it kind of yeah, backpedals Mickey and of, says Mickey that Mickey grows up a bit. He's a bit of a wimp, and then he man's up. They grow in different directions. Those whereas characters. Rory, a, I feel like Rory doesn't have to prove his love to Amy. But Amy doesn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't see it until he literally... Well, we'll get to that yeah. later. Um, Matt Smith literally walks through David Tennant's face. Oh, yeah. He does, doesn't he? Like, it, you know, it's when they do the thing of all the Doctors. Mm. They all flash really quick. <laughs> but then they hold on yeah. David Tennant and then Matt yeah. Smith walks right through And it. then also, that shot of Matt is the first time we see Matt in his, in his costume. What do you think of his costume? I really like it. I like it. I've, I, I prefer what his next costume will be. By that, I don't mean the green trench coat. No. Has, the purple. You like the Series 7B costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I prefer this. Because you would. Because I would. I, that feels, it feels more fitting to Matt's Doctor. The fact that he's kind of, he picked up a bunch of clothes that were, you know, surprisingly cohesive, but still... Yeah. The, I know, like, it's light. It's not super... Like, David's costume feels like it's, like, tailor-made for him. How did Capaldi get his costume? We never see, do we? No, we just... Capaldi just goes back to Daz and goes, what do you think? And he flicks his jacket open, doesn't he? Yeah. Right, and, like, David's costume is obviously, like, he picks it out quite carefully. Whereas Matt, like, picks up some clothes. They... They go together surprisingly well. But I like the whole thing. I like the boots. I like the the tweed jacket, which I believe... It is a Matt Smith's jacket, but that's what you auditioned in. Yeah. A tweed jacket. Yeah. Do you like uh, the bow tie? I like the bow tie. Um, I don't know what I think about bow ties are cool as a repeating thing. Yeah. Well, I like it in this episode. Yeah. Like you're saying, what's wrong with bow tie? Bow ties are cool. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about the new TARDIS? Yeah. Let's start with the outside. What do you think of the outside? It's too blue. I think it's a little big. Is it? It's definitely a bigger outside than the um, Russell era TARDIS. Oh, yeah. okay. I don't, I don't like the St. John's Ambulance thing either. Do you not? I feel that it should have either been one or the other. As in... More Blue or St. John's Ambulance. Okay. I feel like they went... I don't know. I don't know why the St. John's like Ambulance it's very, on there. I feel like it's very fitting of this era. Like, like, you know, it's fitting of an era that starts in a quaint little British village. Like, is this kind of shiny, a bit grand Yeah, has, does the TARDIS blend... Like, if the TARDIS was to then, like, say, crash landed in London... Yeah. Would it then remake itself to make it look like it fitting in London well, at that time? I, think I feel like the Russell era TARDIS was designed to fit in that but kind of the urban... No, but does the TARDIS know that? Did the TARDIS pick the look it picked because of where it was at the time? That's an interesting thought. 
Maybe. I don't know. Because yeah. that's... Possibly, because like then you think of like when Jodie's TARDIS redesigned itself, it's on an alien planet and it's got a very alien yeah. interior. Yeah. That's an interesting theory. Should we talk about the interior? Yeah, I really like it. I like it more now than I did when it first yes. when I first saw I it. I didn't like it when I first saw it. I did like a lot of the stuff when I first saw it. Same. I feel like I've grown to appreciate it over yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good. I think we spoke about it before. We like all the levels and stuff. Yeah, I like the levels. I like how kind of bright it is. Yeah. I like how um kind of there's so many odd bits and bobs in the TARDIS console. It feels very in keeping kind of the wackiness of Matt yeah. Smith's character as the Doctor. It feels like a very good fit. I feel like Matt Smith's costume here and Matt Smith's TARDIS interior here fit Matt Smith's characterization of yeah. the Doctor. And we've got a new Sonic. Yeah. It's alright, isn't it? It's cool. Yeah, I don't really think Everything's that much bigger. about it. Yeah, it's... I guess I guess that's a deliberate thing of like the show is bigger and grander now, yeah. bigger scale. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he comes back and he rescues Amy when she's in her nighty. Two years later. Two years later, and he whisks her off on the night of her wedding. Yeah. Should we talk about that song, the Eleventh Doctor theme? I am the Doctor. Because it's, I. I knew it was in the show, like, you know, that song plays every episode. It was in this episode a lot. Like, it's about three plays. Every time they do a bit of running. Yeah. And we don't hear the whole thing immediately. Like, immediately we just hear, like, kind of the dun, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, as a whole, like, the motifs from within the Doctor theme is in this so much. Yeah, I think I'm going to get a bit sick of it by the end. Do you think so? I wonder if it's going to be one of those things where I can see why it got parodied. Hmm. Um... But it's too early to say, I think. Yeah, but the thing is, it is a really great piece of music. I think it is one of Murray Gold's best compositions. Yeah. And it is fitting of like the how this show feels now and how Matt Smith's Doctor is like. Yeah. Could it be overplayed, potentially? Could it lose its impact in that overplay, potentially? Yeah. But we'll have to see. Um, right now, I'm not that much excited for future, but episodes of this series of series 5 specifically yeah why do you think that is I'm just thinking like the beast below I'm not that interested in I mean isn't the beast below we'll talk about next week yeah Moffat said something about the beast below okay, okay. yeah but, you know I'm just sort of thinking back but at the same time I'm also interested to see it all again because I haven't really watched it since it first aired yeah and I've like, watched it once since it first aired yeah yeah and it's one of those things where it's like just wanting to revisit it and sort of see everything new again yeah I feel like when we did the RTD area a lot of it was going and I remember watching this because this was happening at the same time and stuff like that it's going to get very weird when we get to series 6 which we didn't watch series yeah I, no, I didn't watch series 6 no you're right yeah I've rewatched it now yeah but I watch it go out yeah no um, yeah all really good mm. I'll tell you what Harry um, let's do the quiz Patient. Patience is for wimps. Whoa! For a minute I was wondering if we were going to have a quiz. Yeah, I forgot because I put the book back down. Um, can you name three items that were on that Amelia Pond thanked Santa for? Thanks for the blank, blank, and blank. I'm going to say really generic things. Um, I'm going to say a bike. Nope. Telescope. Nope. Teddy bear. Dolls. Pencils. 
of a fish. She got pencils for Christmas? Yeah. I guess she likes drawing, so... Uh, the doctor says he's never had something when he gets out of the towers. He says he wants something. Cravings. Yes, well done. And can you name the guy who we named earlier whose internet history needs to be cleared? Ah, uh, Jeff? Yeah. Yes! So you got two out of five. Great, that's... Wait, those are five questions? Well, you, you can't count the list as one big... It was a point for each. Alright, fine. Two out of five. That's better than I usually do. It was. Uh, what do you want to recommend, Harry? Before I go, I just want to tell you you were fantastic. Oh, recommendations. Yes. Right. Oh, I know. I mentioned it to you earlier. Um, I don't know if it'll still be available, but uh, BBC4 did a two-part series about the uh, life of Walt Disney. Um, the first part was very much about his early life and his contributions to animation. And the second part is about kind of his relationship to his workers, then going into his theme park innovations. A little period where he was obsessed with model trains. But I've always found Walt Disney a very interesting figure, just kind of like um, who he was, what his contributions to American history and culture, what he represents now. And I feel like this gave a really interesting insight into who he was as a man and what kind of shaped him. Um, so if you have any interest in Disney the man, um, I'd give it a watch. Disney the man. Yeah. Well, the, sh the show is called just called Walt Disney. Oh, okay. Part one and part and two. Where can people watch that? On BBC iPlayer. It was on BBC Four. Cool. Yeah. Nice one. Um, struggling to find stuff to recommend. I'm going to recommend that everybody who's listened this far is clearly an avid listener to Bigger on the Inside. So why not leave this video a like, a subscribe, turn on that bell for notifications, follow us on all our socials, the links are in the description, and we really appreciate that. Will people still be able to... No, people won't be able to vote for us. Oh, that'll be long gone. That'll be long gone. Long gone. Yeah, by now we'll know if we won oh, or wait, lost. Oh, wait, no, I thought voting closed on the 10th, right? This yep. is coming out on the 8th. Um... Oh. There might still be time for you to vote for us. If it's... What's the date? What's... It's um, coming out next week, isn't it? No. No? The special's next week. Oh, special's this week? Yeah. Well, we don't know. It's too complicated, all this podcasting stuff. Yeah. You weren't even here this week. No, I wasn't. Harrison, Harrison filled in. Yeah. yeah. Harrison saw the end of Doctor Who Flux and... You never did. You weren't allowed. No, yeah. I, I just didn't bother watching Doctor Who Flux. <laughs> Um, coolio, let's wrap this one up. Yeah. In a tight little bow. Because they're cool. Like bow ties. Yeah. Bow ties, oh cool. I feel like we should have been more hyped for this. I feel, I I feel, feel like, like I've seen it so many times compared to some of those David Tennant ones. That's the thing, at 11th hour I feel like is probably one of the most watched episodes of Doctor Who. Because yeah. people are like, it's the start of the new era, it's the Matt first one, it's the perfect first Doctor episode. Yeah, I feel like once we get into his second series I'm going to be... Uh... And I think even kind of like middle episodes in this will have more to say. Because yeah. you don't hear people talk about oh, the beast James below. Gordon. Oh no. <laughs> oh, good God. I like to imagine that isn't you even thinking about the lodger. That's you <laughs> just thinking about. Just suddenly remembered I live in a world with James Cord. <laughs> we did a quiz at university the other day in the university nightclub, and one of the options it was like a multiple choice, and one of the multiple choices was James Corden. He was greeted by a giant boo. Really? Yeah, from a, a group of students. It's so weird that the UK has collectively turned against James Corden. Yeah. 
I really like Gavin and Stacey, you know? Yeah, I, can't, I can't bring myself to make those kind of stands because he's great in One Man, Two Governors. I really like Gavin and Stacey, so I can't. But it's just a shame he's an arsehole. Make sure you subscribe to the official Bigger on the Inside podcast.